Good morning and welcome. You have Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Hair, joined with Sarah Myers. Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm very well. How are you? Excellent. Well, good. We always have a good chat before the show. And so I want to start out a little bit just to kind of give people the taste of what we're going to talk about. Um, I stayed up super late last night watching uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, you nerd. I am. Super <laughs> nerd. If you haven't watched it and you have any kind of even little bit of love for automobile uh, history, I guess, that would definitely be one worth looking up. Now, you shared one with me that was your favorite car movie as a, I'm assuming a kid. Did you watch it as a kid? Yeah, I did. I, You know what? I haven't watched it in quite some time. I think I'm going to have to see if it's on Amazon Prime or something. But Herbie... The Love Bug, not yeah. the one with like uh, Lindsay Lohan, right, the one right. that was made in like 2005. Yep. No, I'm talking about the one that was made in like the 1960s. <laughs> the the OG. Yeah. For and sure. I love that one. It was just so funny. And I it, need to watch that. Yeah, one. you I've do. I've never seen it. You know, if I'm if we're gonna do, uh, you know, movie references, I probably ought to watch that one. You for should. Sure. It's a good one. So, do you still enjoy that kind of stuff? Like when, uh. uh I don't know. Do you have other car movies that you've watched over the years that you just immediately think of and be like, yeah, that was a good movie, whether it was action or not? Yeah, there's a couple of them that I, I definitely think of. You know, you've got the uh, the Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, yeah. That's my all-time favorite, yeah. of course. Um, actually, I just went and watched the latest Fast and Furious, but that was not, not by choice. One. Oh, oh! I it was see. not. I went to the uh, drive-in. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was playing, and they were playing. Um, oh, I think it was the latest Conjuring movie or something oh, okay. like that. They were playing that afterwards, and that's what me and my husband wanted to see. But he got us in there a little bit early, sure. so we ended up watching the the whole thing. You know, I was a huge, or still am, I guess, a huge fan of the series, but it's really gotten watered down, in my opinion. Yeah. They, well, this last one, they went to space. I, see, I haven't even <laughs> seen it. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't want it to ruin some of the, the early ones. were so raw, I guess, is my mm-hmm. best way to put it. And the cars, they did some awesome, awesome jobs building those early cars. And then as they go through, uh, you know, they have a submarine coming out of the ice and they're, they're a car chase with submarine. And I realize you got to get bigger and bigger each time. But you lose some of that genuine, you know, feel or raw part of those movies as as they've gone on. Uh, but that's a big part of our culture, you know. I I absolutely genuinely love my cars or my trucks that I own. I love making them, you know, mine, if you will. When you walk through Walmart or wherever, you can tell that's yours for whatever reason it is. So riddle me this. Um, do you have a dream car? Do you ever think about that or truck, if you will? I have always wanted back to uh, the love bug. Okay. I- I've always wanted a beetle bug. Really? Yes. So you're legit. That's a big, or that influenced you, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I do. Forward. I want one of those old school metal bodied beetle bugs. I don't care if it doesn't have AC in it. I want to <laughs> like, I want a yellow one too. Wow. Yes. So the, you're, you've got it narrowed down. Mm-hmm. That is what I want. So wasn't, uh, and forgive me, this was a Transformers movie, but didn't they turn uh, Bumblebee into pretty much what you're talking about? Have you ever seen that? You probably haven't. 
Um, you know what? I've seen bits and pieces yeah. of it, but I, I'm not sure. They turned him into a yellow beetle, I think, for one of the generations of it. Yeah. It sounds very similar to what you're talking about. But, you know, when you, you think about that stuff, so much of our culture is tied to the automotive industry. And, you know, I mean, country music songs, you know, hip hop and, and pop music for sure. Lots of references there. Um, I hope everybody out there enjoys what they're driving. I see it, um, it a lot of times, not always. I mean, sometimes people drive what you got to drive. I get that. But more often than not, it reflects a lot about you of what vehicle you drive and what your priorities are, whether, you know, you're you know trying to get established in the world and you need an economy vehicle or just a, a grocery getter. And, and as you grow, you know, maybe your work um, kind of pushes you in a direction, whether you've got a tow and haul or you've got a large family. And so that affects and reflects a lot about what it is that's important to you and what it is that you're doing. But even more than that, it's part of our culture. You know, you look at other countries, you know, over in Europe, I've never had the pleasure to travel uh, abroad, if you will. But, you know, they have a great public transit infrastructure over there. That's awesome. So your personal automobile is for the extremely wealthy. And that's not the case here in the States, which I'm super thankful for. Because I love that being a part of what it is we do. I also love the freedom that it brings as well. So as you, you know, wake up at whatever time of the day and you need or want something more often than not, you can get in your vehicle, go get what you need, do what you want. And that's not something everybody's got. And we kind of take that for granted. I know I do. I get up when I need to. I go when I need to. I, you know, do what I need to at the times necessary. Now, if we were in a country that we relied on public transportation, that's not the case. And that's not what it is we do. But even a whole nother step farther away from that is folks really typically enjoy their vehicles most of the time, whether they've got a banging stereo in there, they got tinted windows, custom wheels and tires, they make it theirs. I know for me, I've shared this many times, I do a lot of towing and hauling pretty much all the time. That opens up a lot of doors and opportunities. <laughs> Sometimes it's, oh, you've got a truck and a trailer, you're going to help me move. So not all of it's always super fun, but on the flip side of it, sometimes it's, hey, I've got this distressed vehicle. I don't really want or need it anymore, and, you know, let's make a deal. And then, you know, I've got a vehicle that I can put one of the kids in or have a spare vehicle, move it on down the line to somebody else that needs it to where it doesn't just go to the salvage yard. That's a big, big deal. But I thoroughly enjoy, you know, being able to have a personal vehicle, and I hope you all do as well. And then making it what I want, whether I've got upgrade the audio system, interior, et cetera. You know, the aftermarket automobile um, options are almost endless at this point. I did a little uh, wheeling and dealing. I had built or restored a truck here that uh, mechanically had been pushed to its limits. Um, and I moved into a diesel Ford excursion market this week, which was really, really cool. That was super, super great. So, Sarah, going further, as your life continues to change and evolve, the needs of your transportation, is it fair to say that you see where it needs to change and evolve? Yes. So, you have been a student for many years mm -hmm. at this point. 
Um, you're done with that, right? Or yes. do you have plans to go back ever? Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're done. <laughs> yeah. You succeeded, though. You got your degree. You mm-hmm. did what you needed to. Um, your vehicles served purpose. You commuted quite a bit back and forth. Uh, for the most part, they got you from point A to point B, right? Yes. <laughs> with a few pit stops to A1 in the middle. You know, it happens to the best of us. Yep. It really, really <laughs> does. Um, but as now you're kind of opening some new doors, you and Ryan are, are looking to do some different things, uh, grow and, and, and continue to evolve and adapt with time. What do you guys, when you think about, and let's put the, the, the lack there of options as far as buying a new vehicle out there. What is your normal, like just initial thought process? If, if you decide, Hey, I need to get X, Y, Z tomorrow or next week. What do you think about that? Is it a daunting process? Is it a exciting process? A little mixture of both? Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a mixture of both. De- definitely thinking about a newer vehicle moving forward. Mm-hmm. Do, is there anything super important to you? I know at one point in time, I think we talked about four-wheel drive was maybe going to be a concern that mm-hmm. you guys wanted to go with. Probably seating capacity, etc., um, are you guys brand loyal? I guess maybe that's a big, deep question. So I used to be. Okay. I used to be a Dodge person. Uh-huh. I had a Dodge Neon followed oh, wow. by a Dodge Stratus followed by a Dodge Dart. Yes, I remember the Dart and the yep. Stratus. And that runs in my in my family, too. My mom drives a Dodge Avenger and my, okay. Do- my dad drives a Dodge Ram. Aha. <laughs> so you guys like that family of yes. vehicles or and, genre, if you yep. will. Yep. So um, my brother and I have branched out. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have a Dodge Dakota for quite some time. That's a pretty good rig. Um, but now he has moved on to a... Ford F-150, I believe. Smart guy. Yep. Right there. So um, anyways, after my car accident uh, for my Dodge Dart, rest Mm -hmm. in peace, um, (laughs) I started looking at um, vehicles that were, you know, going to get great gas mileage, Mm -hmm. that were pretty safe, pretty reliable. Yep. Um, And I also wanted something that was super bright in color. Yes, to be noticed, I yes, would assume. Yes, that, and that is exactly why I picked the color uh-huh. of vehicle that I did was because I definitely didn't want it to blend in during the rain or the snow or just sure. even at night. I wanted it to be pretty bright and reflective. Yeah. So I went with the brightest cherry red vehicle that you I could possibly got find. It. Yes, it's very, very bright. So I branched out and I actually really fell in love with Mm -hmm. my little Chevy Cruze. And it's been a fantastic vehicle. It's done all of those things. I get great gas mileage. Oh, yes, you do. It's a little bit small in size, especially whenever we pack it full of people. I bet. It's definitely not a lot of uh, storage in the back. But, yeah, it's it's a pretty good, reliable little vehicle Mm -hmm. in most of the things that I was looking for. Well, and right now with fuel prices starting to come up, I'm sure you're probably very appreciative with the mileage and economy yes, you get. Yes, it is very nice. Typically, it costs anywhere from like 20 to $30, depending on when I want to fill up. But that's awesome. I, I know that that's not as great as it used to be, yeah. but I know that there are some people out there that are having it a lot worse than I am right now. Well, un- unfortunately, I don't think we're at the the peak of mm-hmm. where this is going to go. I think it's going to continue for a while. But we got plenty more to talk about. I'm going to get into some of the, the history of the automotive industry, specifically Lee Iacocca, after we get back from the break. You can hear me on the radio. 
Welcome back. You've got Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care, joined with Sarah. And we have some breaking news. We had a very frantic we did, didn't we? producer come in here saying, help, help, help. So, Miss Katie, strong, independent Russian woman. That is me. Yes. So give the the listeners out there the lowdown about what we were talking about. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, I was making a wide turn, and my car made a weird uh, thing. I don't know what exactly happened, but instead of my speedometer, I saw only three words, which was oil pressure low. Okay. I have no idea why that popped up when I was making a turn, mm-hmm. because when I was getting inside of my car, turning it on, I did not see anything popping up like that scary, but it sure. scared me. And so this morning that happened again when I was driving and the turn was not that wide. Okay. So are you noticing any uh, oil leakage or puddles that is never had before underneath the vehicle by chance? I've never been underneath my vehicle. Well, like as you <laughs> as you drive away, I have been under it, by the way. And normally your car doesn't leak anything. But it's important as you pull out to look and see. Now, if you're at like, you know, Walmart, where every mm-hmm. car seems to leak oil. Right. Don't panic yourself there. But if you ta- if you park in a normally, uh, normal, like out here at the station, if there is any fresh leakage down there, you need to take note of that. So as you back out, a lot of times it's a good idea to kind of look and see where you were parked and mm-hmm. see if anything's fresh. Um, but back to your main point, if you don't mind me getting a little deep in the weeds here to yeah. explain oil pressure, is that yeah. cool? So you have an oil pump, and obviously it's kind of like a you know a, anything else. Liquid settles to the bottom. But you have a lot of things going on at the top side of the engine, so that oil pump has to get it up to the top side of the engine so no internal damage and Katie doesn't have to buy a new car. That's Does that make sense? Good news. Okay. Okay. So when you're turning, a couple of things. It could be an electrical issue, which would be minor. But more of what I'm thinking of is that it's low on oil, and as you turn, all the oil sloshes away from the oil pickup, and it's no longer pumping oil up to the top of the engine. Okay. So we need to first start with checking your oil first. And so we'll do that before I leave today, if that's okay. Please. <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure you're typically very religious about getting your service done. I know I've serviced it most of the time. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Uh, we've taken good care of your car. You've been proactive on it, making sure that you don't have to go out and buy a new car. Yeah. Which would be, which would be a good thing. Nobody wants to be in that position that they have to buy one. Um, but what I am thinking from what you've explained to me that, like I said, as you're turning, um, it's running out of oil and it's no longer got anything to pump to the top and it's setting the light. And then as you get out of the turn, everything's going straight again. All that oil settles back down and then you get oil pressure again. Okay, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's hard to just guesstimate it. But initially when you told me that story, you gave great information. But the if you ever have an oil pressure issue... That's a super important one. And the collateral damage of lack of oil is very big. Okay. So everybody out there listening, if you run into this issue um, and have an oil pressure problem, your first thing is going to be to check your oil, which we're going to do. And I can show you that if I haven't already. And then um, I don't believe you're, we're going to check how long it's been since you had your last oil change done. You drive quite a bit, don't you? Uh, yes. Yeah. Pretty much every other day to Bolivar back mm-hmm. and forth. So you're putting some miles on so, big time, yeah. which is not a bad thing. I mean, um, sometimes letting a vehicle sit is just as bad as putting a lot of commuter miles on mm-hmm. it. But we just need to make sure all the fluids are in good shape, which we will. And if all that checks out and is in fine shape, 
Then I'm going to have to get into the computer system and see if it's communicating the right oil pressure readings. You know, it could be a sending unit problem, could be a an engine control interpretation problem. And then I will put a true mechanical gauge on there and see what the oil pressure is actually doing with a mechanical reading. Because what you're seeing at the driver's information center is a computer interpreted reading. Does all that make sense? Uh, yes. So um, hopefully it's something super easy. We'll take care of it right here today. If it's not, we will schedule it in sooner than later because I don't want to have any catastrophic collateral damage and then uh, get it taken care of from there. Perfect. Thank you so yeah, much, Yeah, for sure. Justin. What other car needs do you got? Uh, my key does Your not key, work. <laughs> which we've talked about. Um, so what she's referring to is the key fob, If I, and if I don't explain this right, you push the button, lock, unlock, etc., and nothing happens on the car. Nope. Is that right? Yep. And then for a while, it was kind of intermittent. Is, is yes. that right? Now it doesn't work at all. Dang it. It's broken. Yes. <laughs> well, we can fix the broken part. So what we will do is um, we're going to check the battery and then the signal or frequency output of the key fob part of it and make sure that it's in good shape, too. Okay. Thank so, you so much, Dustin. Good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love that. We got to keep you guys going. <laughs> I can't have any of you broke down. I just think right. it's funny that it doesn't matter if you're doing a show or not. People come in here and run in a panic and say, Dustin, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, phone calls or text messages throughout the day, at night, on the weekends, you know, that's all part of it. But I love this industry so much. I'm happy to do so. You also have a very therapeutic voice. Well, good. Like I, you're calmed down people very well. I was here panicking, and then you're like, everything is fine. Yes. You're not going to have to buy a new car. That's our goal. You know, I, I I love buying new cars. I love when people get to buy new cars. Mm -hmm. I don't love when they have to buy a new car. Yeah. Like right now is not the time to have to buy a new car because the car market is almost barren at this mm -hmm. point. There's not a lot of good yeah, options no out there. And so we want to make sure that, hey, you, you know, what you already own is, you know, paid taxes on it. It's yours. You don't got to worry about all that stuff. And then when you're ready, you know, you can do your due diligence and buy it on your terms instead of a panic, you know, I don't have a car and I, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. I can't imagine not having my truck right now. Right. Like, you know, I got to, I'm sure I got plenty of people that would give me a ride if I needed it, but mm -hmm. I don't want to have to do that. I want to go and listen to my own radio and and my own air conditioning and all that stuff. So it's not a not a, a ideal thing to be without your car. So for sure, heck yeah! <laughs> all right, now do you feel better? Yeah, I do. I feel okay. more calm. Well, Thank you. Thank I'm you, glad. Justin. I am glad that you came on and <laughs> shared this with everybody and said, "Hey, this is my panic, and and what do we do about it?" Hopefully, that helps somebody. Because on top of this, not only we're we going to take care of your issue, maybe the next person down the road identifies it quicker. And says, hey, you know, I need to get this in and saves them from having to buy a car. True. Because that happens. Happens quite a bit, unfortunately. So things happen. That's true. Yeah. Hey, um, you got some questions, don't I you? I do, yeah. Speaking of oil and um, just different little fluids in your vehicle, somebody had asked us yesterday, how do you dispose of old antifreeze at home? Aha, that's a great question. Before we get into that, if you don't mind, Sarah, how do they send those questions? Because I, I wasn't even yeah. really super, where does all that come from? So I think that for our show, it's mm -hmm. a lot easier to do our text line. Okay. Uh, you can text us at 417-447-5743. Okay. 
and you can send in your text message. I will read it. I will try to write it down verbatim mm-hmm. as you ask it, because I know sometimes people have a little bit more knowledge when it comes to the automotive industry versus what I do. So want to make sure that I'm getting it clear across. That's um, perfect. But you can also send us a message on our Facebook page, KSGF 104.1. Um, and then I'll make sure that I get those read and sent over to you to have those answered. Awesome. And typically we're going to be about a week behind. So if you submit a question like this Saturday, today, um, you know, listen for it and we'll try and address them each week as they come through. And, and if I don't know, I'm just going to flat tell you, I don't know, but I, I'm going to have a pretty good idea on most of this stuff. So the question was, Hey, we got some antifreeze. We need to get rid of it at a home, which is great. A it's bad for the environment. If you've ever spilled it on any vegetation, it kills it. So like if you ever have an overheat out here and you're in a grassy area and it does boil over, all that antifreeze kills all the vegetation, so any of the grass, etc. So it is toxic. Um, secondly, it is sweet, and if you leave it laying around, unfortunately, pets like it, and it is very, very poisonous. So you definitely don't want to do that. It needs to be in a sealed container, um, and you need to dispose of it, which is our question today. So um, I believe, and and don't hold me to this, I will check and verify it, I know a lot of your parts stores will take used oil. Um, I believe they'll take used antifreeze, and I will verify that and share it with you. Now, with that being said, if you have some used antifreeze um, and you have it in a good container, I don't want gallons and gallons and gallons of it. So if you got a 55-gallon barrel, I'm not your guy. But if you got a gallon or two of it, we at each one of our locations have a disposal um, container, and we have a company that we deal with because of the volume of uh, antifreeze and coolant that we have, that we can get it disposed for you. Now, please don't bring me buckets with no lids and have it sloshing around and all that jazz, but I'll be happy to do that instead of having somebody pour it down the drain or in one of the toilets or whatever. So we'll do our part for sure. So um, I will also do my due diligence to check with some of our parts stores and vendors to make sure that is something they will dispose of as well. So do we have time for another question or do we need to uh, stretch it on out into another break? Yep. We're going to have to go to a break. Okay. So I believe we've got another question or two when we come back and then I'm going to dive into some history. All right. Welcome back. We've got Miss Sarah in the studio with us as a normal. Uh, you're a fixture of our show now. Yes, sir. Which I'm super excited Thank about. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Basically, yeah. this show has just evolved from things that we've talked yes. about during the break to just bringing it yeah. back into the show. Yeah. And something that we were talking about, you know, we just had Katie on here. She's got some car needs um, and some some uh, stress, I guess. Would that be a good way to yeah, say it? Yeah, she was very anxious. She texted yeah. me while we were on air, and she said, hey, is Dustin here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, he's here. Why? And she said, I am freaking out. I have car questions yeah. for him. And I said, okay, come in. And a lot of it is the unknowing or the stress of it. And I know, you know, obviously I know the car game part of this, so it doesn't stress me out a ton. But if I've got to deal with, you know, somebody in the legal field, you know, I seek out somebody that has that level of confidence and calmness that, hey, they got this handled. And that's a lot of what we do as a company. And I'm sure you've experienced that, not just for me, but the rest of our team that, hey, we got this. You know, when it's an ugly situation and you're broke down or you got to have your car or even maybe you don't have the money. I mean, I'm not I'm not 
special from anybody else. There are expenses that come up that exceed my budget, period. It happens. Um, and so that adds stress and like, oh, well, how much, how long, you know, et cetera. You know, as a company, um, tonight actually I'm doing a class with one of my uh, teammates, Alan, on our customer service skills. We're doing it at Pasta Express after work tonight to continue to groom our team and the awareness of how important it is to be that focal anchor point during a stressful situation. Um, and I think that's super important to give that consumer, or, you know, whoever the person is, whether it's friend, family, whatever, hey, you know, we got this. It may be a tough situation, but it's important for us to keep our composure and deliver solutions. Uh, one of my mentors, she's told me forever, she said, everybody out there has got problems and they'll bring them to you and not have solutions. I'm sure you see this even internally sometimes throughout life. Everybody's complaining about this or that, you know what I mean? And uh, the people that really succeed and do very well are the solution people. Mm -hmm. And you definitely uh, embody that here at the studio. I see it all the time where you're like, yeah, I got this. I mean, you own your space. And that is a really cool thing to see how you conduct yourself. Even sometimes if the boards are, you know, doing something funny over there, you've even groomed me. If something happens, you push the red button, <laughs> yes. you know, you're oh, like, Hey, goodness. this is important. So even if I'm not here or something catastrophic, you push the red button. We have no dead air. That is so funny. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think that speaks to how, and, and to what we're talking about mm -hmm. of having that, you know, uh, passion to deliver the very best that we can deliver. And that's a really, really cool thing. I know you and I did a, a show about uh, different generations a couple of weeks ago. I think that speaks volumes to it. There's a lot of folks out there that maybe haven't been empowered or don't uh, have enough confidence to make decisions. Do you ever run into that? Oh, yeah, all the time. I think it's more now than it ever was before. I don't know if you've ever given any thought about that, but I find folks with lack of confidence to make decisions uh, almost an epidemic at this point. Mm -hmm. And the folks that have the stones to, you know, sit there and say, hey, do this. And then if it doesn't work out, also have the strength to sit there and say, okay, well, shouldn't have made that call. Let's never do that again. But going forward, we learned from this, and now we're going to do this and still have the internal strength to make a decision. That's so important. I've got kids that they're not so young anymore, but, uh, you know, hopefully I instill that in them as well. And I don't care whether you're a man, woman, whatever. Nobody wants to make a decision. Nobody wants to be the decision maker because they're so afraid of, you know, making the wrong decision. Well, not making a decision is just as bad and damaging as making a wrong decision, in my opinion, at least. I agree. And I think going forward for us to be a strong, man, I'm really getting on a soapbox. Am I not here today? That's okay. I'm going to just drink my coffee and let you. I, I think to be a strong nation and country, that's been one of our biggest things is we've had some great decision makers. And then folks, not only that made great decisions, but inspired others to align with that decision and get it done. I'm just like, th that's what makes or breaks at this point in time. You know, it's not sitting at home and playing video games. That drives me up a stinking wall. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-video game. 
I just ain't got time for that at this point. <laughs> but that's kind of the bottom line there is, you know, folks need to make some decisions, have confidence in them. If they don't, learn from them. I've made some bad decisions. I make bad decisions quite often, to be very honest. It happens. But at that point in time, you know, hopefully I have the character and the strength to own it. Say, all right, well, that didn't work out. But what are we going to do about it now? I'm not just going to fold up tent and be like, oh, I'm find me hiding over there in the fetal position, crying in the corner. No way. No way. I ain't got time for that. Sarah ain't got time for that. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. I'd what have if, to put in a best of. Yeah. What, what <laughs> if you came in and, you know, Nick was folded up shop one day because oh somebody said something. He's not that guy either. No, though. he's not. <laughs> he, he's one that I really enjoy uh, listening and, and, and sometimes even having that banter. He's very thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And he does an amazing job getting folks to see his opinion by questions he asks or approaches of even sometimes the other side's argument. You know, he'll rationalize that out, which only leaves his side of the argument. He does it in such a tactful way. I've taken a lot of lessons from him over the years. But he's not that guy either. I guarantee if somebody disagrees with his opinion, that's cool, whatever. And I welcome somebody, honestly, to disagree a lot of times. I'd like to hear somebody else's side of it. Maybe I'll grow. Maybe I'll learn something. Yeah. I think with, in that case, because I see that quite a bit since I'm the, the morning producer. Sure. Um, he is all for allowing somebody to disagree mm-hmm. or to give him another thought perspective. Yeah. But the only thing that really bothers him is if you're going to sit there and disagree, you also have to sit and listen and yeah. have a healthy discussion. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've, um, even in the automotive industry, mm-hmm. have had that happen as well. Like you're open for other discussions, oh, yeah. but you also have to be able to sit and communicate and listen. Yes. So a big part of, you know, hopefully my evolution and in, in our company in general has been, you know, uh, Everybody thinks because we do a radio show, we fix everything right the first time and and it's all rainbows and ponies and we're perfect. I honestly wish that was the case. We work at that every day. However, the reality is things happen, whether it's my fault, you know, the car's fault, sometimes information or lack thereof or misinformation uh, as we interact with our customers. It happens. And so a lot of times there's a lot of emotion when I have somebody that we've done service work for or things happen, you know, they come in and they, you know, they're loaded for bear, you know, and I understand that. I really do. You know, they have got stranded or stuck or something's happened to inconvenience them. And so between that point and now, when they meet me or one of our folks at the counter, you know, they, they have built up this whole kind of spiel of, you know, they're going to give us the what for or tell us how it is. And you have to really center yourself and weather that and listen That's a very important lesson and let them almost like exhaust themselves because if I try and interject or stop them, then they are not ready at that point in time to listen to anything of a solution of what we're going to do about it. So that's a big part of what it is we do and how we go about it. And part of our training and our culture as well is folks expect people not to take care of business. And that's a real bummer, I'll be honest. Um, and uh, I just, I don't have that in me. When I deal with somebody else and they, you know, aren't ready to take care of business, it's very frustrating. So I'm on both sides of this coin. 
The difference we do as a company with A1 Custom is those are teaching moments for us. Those are lessons of how we communicate better, how we prevent this going down the road, and then find the solution as quickly and timely as possible for you and I. I guarantee, and I will speak for every automotive repair facility in the world at this point, or in the country at least, that none of them intentionally do things to make you come back upset, period. None of them ever think, oh, well, we're going to shortcut this deal because they're going to have to come back, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a pleasant experience, and none of them want to drag it out any longer than possible. Back to my earlier point, though, what you find with a lot of folks, and this is where my frustration comes in, is they don't own the outcome and make a decision on what it is we do to resolve the problem. Very, very important. That goes back to being able to make a decision, a good decision with good motivation. It's not just a decision of how to get you out of there. It's a decision of how to get this taken care of for you and get to the bottom of it and then move forward, as well as we don't forget what happened in the past and recreate those same decisions over and over and over again. You know, shame on me if it kicks me once, but shame on it if it kicks me once, but shame on me if I allow it to keep kicking me afterwards. That's just not cool. Not cool at all. Do we need to take a break, Sarah? Are we close? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a break. Fair enough. Step off your soapbox. I know. We're going to put it away. I am going to talk about Lee Iacocca when we come back. I'm super excited about that. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin here. We are talking. So I stayed up late. I've got a little bit of a confession here. So I was, you know, in bed kind of scrolling through the old Internet, and I found some uh, little snippets of Ford versus Ferrari, which is a movie. I think it came out a couple of years ago, maybe. I, for whatever reason, missed it. And so naturally I watched them and thought, yeah, I got to see this. So I pulled it up on Amazon Prime and... $20 later, I had the movie, so I had to pay for it, but I have the digital copy now. And it's, I looked at how long, and this was probably about 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock last night. It's a two-plus-hour movie. Yikes. Yeah. So I got it going and and was, uh, you know, watching it, and about midnight, I finally finished it. So that was nice. So I'm, I'm running on, you know, a little bit of sleep. But the point is, is there's a lot of great characters in there. Henry Ford II uh, is is a character in there. Obviously, uh, Carol Shelby, which I need to do some more research on that guy. He is super cool. I don't know if you know. I'm sure Roush and Shelby, you've seen all those cool cars over the years. Um, but Lee Iacocca. So history lesson here. He was part of the company from the late 40s into the 60s. He is one of the contributing members to the Ford Mustang. Do you like Mustangs? Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. 65-ish Mustang. Yeah. That was his baby. Uh, he also made the Pinto, which is a little less cool. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a little bit of a, I don't know, it was a very popular car. Hundreds of thousands of them were sold, but they're uh, definitely a little out of favor. Um, he also came up with several different iterations and involved with the Ford Escort the uh, Continental Mark III, the Cougar, the Marquis. Those are all big, big deals for Ford. And he was a mainstay, started in engineering, and then went into marketing and development. So that is a big, big thing. He was huge 
as far as a big part of their boom, if you will, where Ford really got into it. Now, where the Ford versus Ferrari comes in, he got them into racing. I mean, you think about all the racing, not just domestically here, but he got them into the Indy 500, NASCAR. I mean, still a huge deal with NASCAR. And then the 24-hour Le Mans, which is a pretty neat deal. You do shift driving and you run the car for 24 hours. And the generation or the development that Ford put into that, they're the only uh, domestic manufacturer to ever win that. And I think they won it, I think, four different years. Um, well, well worth. Um, it sounds like the driver that they had in there was absolutely phenomenal. Ken Miles was actually the driver's name, and I did some research with him. I encourage you, if this interests you at all, to look into it a little bit. He was a heck of a driver. He was end up killed in some of the development for the cars after um, he was kind of gypped out of winning the Le Mans, but he was a heck of a driver. So big time deal. The reason that I bring this up kind of dovetails into some of our show uh, information we put out today on leadership development and making decisions. So Lee Iacocca was obviously a guy that got things done. So he got things done with Ford. Daimler Chrysler got in a little bit of a skid. Uh, well, they were about to go out of business is, is the bottom line. And then um, they were able to win or maybe Lee wanted a challenge. So he went over and took the reins for Chrysler for many years. And the reason that this really rings home for me is my grandparents have lived pretty much their entire lives in the in or around the Fenton or Washington, Missouri area. And as you drive down I-44, there used to be huge Chrysler plants up there. That was a big thing. Well, they're no longer there. They've knocked all the buildings down. They're rebuilding some things there. I'm not sure what it is at this point. But that was a big thing for that community, and that was um, in the late 80s, early 90s, and Lee was there and actually retired in 92. So I kind of got to see the height of a lot of that. So he had pitched some of these cars to Ford, and they passed on them. And then when he moved over and was the main decision maker for Chrysler, they basically saved Chrysler's butt is the big thing. Um, the the Dodge Caravan or the Plymouth Voyager, those were some of the very first to market, and those were huge hits that Ford had passed on, and he was able to get done through Chrysler. That saved Chrysler. I don't know how many Dodge Caravans and Plymouth Voyagers were sold out there and honestly developed a whole new market of minivans that other manufacturers made their own iteration of, but he developed an entire market there. The K car, which would be like your Plymouth Horizon or uh, Chrysler uh, Dodge Reliant, I think was the other manufacturer uh, iteration of the K car. But that was a huge seller. And basically, that was an economy car, what I consider a disposable car. Anybody that's listened to the show very much has heard me talk about that at length that you have vehicles that you put engines in, transmissions, or do what I consider repower whenever they break down. And then you have disposable vehicles that you buy. They're extremely cheap. They make it 100, 150,000 miles. And then when something catastrophic breaks, you throw them away. That's 
kind of your two categories. And Lee identified that during those times. They were very fuel efficient. They were extremely cost effective as far as purchase price. And when they did need repairs, the parts were very cheap and straightforward to work on. Chrysler had got themselves in some deep, deep, dire straits, and he was able to pull that out. Later, he was very forward-thinking, at least in my opinion, from my experience of what I've researched and the automotive experience and industry of working on him for almost two decades at this point. Uh, he acquired AMC, um, which would be um, basically Jeep. So Jeep had been going hard and strong, got into some trouble, and acquired them, and then developed the Jeep Grand Cherokee, which was another humongous hit for Chrysler to keep them very viable, and, and even more than viable. They were very popular. Um, you look at some of the trucks and the development of the Dodge Ram series, you know, you've got some very, and I know I poke fun at Dodge quite a bit sometimes, but I have, they've done some things right. And I don't want to just, you know, bury my head in the sand and be, you know, brand myopic and not, you know, identify when they do get something right. The, you know, you look at the, um, introduction of the Cummins powertrain in the Dodge truck, that's essentially an 18-wheeler engine, and they were able to put that in a pickup that became a rock star tow monster. I mean, they did some great things under Lee's leadership. He was definitely a decision maker. When I started learning about some of his leadership styles, there's a guy named Jim Collins that wrote a book called From Good to Great, and that was one of his points is that while you have somebody that is a great leader, the folks around them always look for them for direction. So the moment that they're not there to give direction, so basically at the point that you see um, his focus leave, I think he got a little political there for a while and focused on that. And then obviously he retired in 92. That really left a huge void that the people around him were not strong enough to fill. And that's a big, big deal. And it's awesome to be a great boss, if you will, is what I would consider that category, that you're there to give direction. This is how things go. Things uh, flourish or do very, very well while you're there, but things are broken the moment you leave. That's a really hard spot to be in. Um, you know, you sure don't want the world to revolve around you. That's great. You're in demand, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes maybe you're going to have to be pulled out of pocket and you don't want things to fall apart. And so that's where they attribute a lot of that, um, or Jim Collins does in the book From Good to Great, about Lee's leadership style. Is He was a great boss, but he wasn't necessarily a leader. He could give direction. He could make things happen. He could see things. But the moment he was gone, he didn't build a strong enough team around him that things started to decline once he wasn't the shot caller. Sarah, that was a lot to say. Did did any was any of that worth hearing? Let's just say that. You know what? I think it really tied well with your last segment yeah. about being a boss versus a mentor, um, being able to handle pressure, being able to understand. So yeah, it did definitely make well, sense, good. and you tied it in really well. Well, I appreciate that. That was the goal. So the fact that that happened, that was absolutely great. You know, I know this is an automotive talk radio show, and they give us a lot of 
uh, leeway, but hopefully we talk a lot about, you know, what to expect, how to handle it, and really how to be viable in the industry. Um, you've experienced it in our shops. You've been a big part of it. You've taken a lot of photos for us and tried to showcase us out there. Nobody knows um, really how great you are until they give you an opportunity to work with them and see what it's about. That's so, true. Um, that's a big part of what this is, and that's why we do the show. That's why you know Sarah's been gracious enough to join our show at this point. Um, we've been doing this, I think, a little over five, maybe working on six years. I probably should know that number. <laughs> how long have you been in the industry, Sarah? Um, total or with KSGF? Uh, total. Seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. I have, started when I was 17. So have you seen things done wrong ever? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that's how I found myself here at KSGF yes. was because I wanted to switch um, – you know, that mentality. And it's definitely been a really good change. So I've been with KSGF almost five years now. In December, it will be five years. That is a huge, huge win, not only for for you, but um, I always consider the interview process or, you know, folks coming in, that's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not just one-sided like it used to be. So I've had a great show with you today, Sarah. I really appreciate you hanging out. And, uh, you know, we had Miss Katie on here. Hopefully she's in good <laughs> shape. You will see us both next week. Yes. From mm-hmm. 10 to 11. You guys have any questions, concerns, comments, please send them in. And Miss Sarah will make sure we get those taken care of for you. Have a good weekend, yep. guys. You as well.